week, we began a sermon series, I'll say, that I thought was going to be the entire month, and it was on living on an incline, and how do you perceive yourself, and how do you see yourself, and I, we went down, and we'll, we're going to circle back a little bit on that, and I really thought it was going to be the whole month, and then this whole week, I was doing some studying and listening to some podcasts, and some things just rose up inside of me about uh, so the story of some of the women in the Bible, And so I'm like, man, that'd be great to do just like several weeks of the women in the Bible. And I should see, I bet you there's a National Women's Month. And that would just be perfect. We can do that. I can wear my my pink band for my Apple watch here. And, you know, we can just have a great time and, you know, all this stuff. And I looked it up and it's the month of March. Of course it is, you know, when we're halfway through the month of March. So I'm actually probably going to interrupt this just a little bit to jump into that thing. So it'll either be next week or the week after that. And of course, as Michael said, April 1st is Easter. And it's a great opportunity for us to all invite people to come because that's the number one day that people will come and visit is on Easter and on Christmas. So there's a great opportunity. But this week, we're continuing on what we started last week And last week, just to recap a little bit, we learned that we live on an incline. I made this cheesy little image of how we live on an incline, and, you know, it's really not meant to be anything great and, and, and wonderful, but it's to show us that we don't live on the level. So we don't just stay here. We don't just, if we stop moving, we don't just stay there. But we actually, life is a climb. And so to climb to good stuff, we, we've got to actually put some effort into it. And, and it, it's real easy to slide into negativity, to slide into other things. So we looked in great detail. And if you missed that, you can go look at the, the cotrdallas.tv. It's up there. And it's also on our podcast. So you can go back and listen to it. And I encourage you to get that because it's part of what we're talking about. But we live on an incline. And that's our life, and and we're not getting away from that. There's nothing we're going to do that is going to change that, but that's where we live. We saw in Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul is talking, he goes, and I know that nothing good lives in me. How about you? Do you know that too? Man, I mean, if I just let me out, the raw me out, nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. And he goes on to say, he goes, I want to do what is right, but I can't. He goes on, but I want to do what is good, but I don't. Then he goes on, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. And, And so many times I find that this is my life, and maybe you're like me, that I want to do good. I don't want to make mistakes. I don't want to do things that I look back and go, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. And people that have, have, have struggled and faced addictions, they go, man, I, I want to be free from this addiction. I want to be free from this thing that's like strangling me. And I can't. I still do it anyway. This week I had somebody that sent a prayer request in that said, pray for me to be free from enlisted in addiction. Listed something that's got a stranglehold on this person. I said, hey, let's get together and let's talk about that. Because, see, it's exactly what we're talking about. This person says, I don't want to do that anymore. But I still find myself doing it 
anyway. That was uh, everything we looked at last week in great detail. But this morning, we're going to continue on. We're going to pick it up a little bit in a different perspective. And my question this morning is, who is the person you see in the mirror? And I have an image here as well. And, and, you know, maybe this is like you and me in the morning that we get up. And, I mean, we haven't even brushed our teeth yet. The hair is still all sticking up. and We're just kind of like peering into the mirror. And so oftentimes I'm so busy that I'm just, I don't even have time to stop and even ponder. But if we take the moment to reflect and look in that mirror, what do you see? What is the person that you look at on the other side? What do they look like? Is that who you want to be? Is that what you want to be staring back at you? See, if we look deep into that, we can see some things and go, not really happy with that. For me, if, if I wake up and I'm hungry, and I just woke up, and you know, I got some of these things going on, and somebody tries to talk to me, I can be really snappy. I can be, and not the good snappy, the, the, eh. And then I go, oh, that's not who I want to be. That person that I find myself being is not who I want to be. This happened to me this last week. My wife came to try and talk to me, and, and I just was hungry, and, I, and, and no excuses. I was wrong completely, but I ended up being rude to her, and I was like, oh. She walked away upset, obviously, because of my actions, and I felt bad because that's not who I want to be. I faced this situation in a place that it wasn't how I wanted to respond, but I could find myself there over and over again. Proverbs 21, 2 says, a man's way, every man's way is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs his heart. I grew up in high school having to memorize scriptures, and this is one, as I'm reading through the book of Proverbs, this one like dinged me between the eyes and continues to this day. Because I came to realize that everything that I think, I think is right. (laughs) Are you like me? Do you ever sit out and go, you know what? I know this is wrong, but I'm still going to do it anyway. I want to go out and hurt people. See, I didn't want to hurt my wife, but I did it. Because in my immediate responses, it's like, eh, this is what I'm going to do. Every way seems right. You get into an argument and, and there's the other person and you and you think you're right and they think they're right and there's conflict involved but everyone thinks that they're right i think that i'm right but it's god who comes in ways of heart another translation says people may be right in their own eyes but the lord examines their heart see god says what you think is right the path that you think you're on isn't what I have for you. This is really where I want you to go. And seeing that challenge is to listen to him and to say, I recognize that what I want to do, what I think, I think it's right all the time. All the time. But I can't just trust in my own goodness, if you will. I have to recognize that I've got some things that need to be worked on. 
We're going to go all the way to the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 2. God has just created the Garden of Eden. He created man, and he put man in there, and he goes, okay, you can eat of every tree in the whole place. You may know the story. And he says, but don't eat of this one. And that's what we pick up on Genesis 2, verse 16. But the Lord God warned him, man, Adam, you may eat You freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you will sure to die. Now, you know, we we hear these stories, and and maybe you've heard this before, maybe several times before, but I always got hung up on the, you will surely die, or you're sure to die. And it's like, they didn't die. You know, I, I think about, you know, the, the poison apple, like you'd seen the king, you know, where they got the taster and the taster keels over, you know, and he puts his mouth and goes, oh, you know, that, that's kind of the image that I have, that if you take it off of this tree and you put it in your mouth, you're just going to, you know, lights out, that's it, you're done. But that's not what happened to them. But you see, I started looking at it dip, differently and deeper, and I started looking at that word, Die. And it literally means a whole bunch of things, but I I pulled these out for you. It means to cause to die, to kill, or destroy. And and I was really moved by this because it really reminds me of John chapter 10 where Jesus says, the enemy is coming to kill, steal, and destroy from you. That's what his goal for your life is. So when we see that continuum of we live on incline, when you slide all the way to the bottom, that's the devil. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy your life. And he wants to rob you of everything. And it's the same connotation that is here. If you eat of this tree, you're sure to experience a cause of death. It's trying to kill you. It's trying to destroy you. Wow. See, because we see this in the very beginning, but we still live in gardens ourselves. We have these people that are in our gardens. They're the people that are the the situations and the people that are maybe our roommates, maybe they're our friends that we go and hang out with, or the people at work with us, all these different people, they're in our gardens, if you will. And we have the opportunity to eat of worldliness. And if we do, it's going to cause us to slide downhill instead of push forward in the things of God. Now, I'll give you an example for myself. I have had opportunities in my life, and oh my gosh, my mom and dad are watching this, and this is probably going to get me in a lot of trouble, but I have had opportunities when I was much younger to say bad words to come out, to, for curse words to come out of my mouth. I'm sorry, mom. I'm sorry, dad. And, and I would say these words, and I fell in love with some of them, and, and, and maybe you're like me, and this is like, I like to say those words. They're very colorful, right? And I started feeling convicted of God and probably my mother too. And, and I started feeling like that's not how I need to be. And I, I kind of fixed some of those situations up in my life. So I don't use those words, those adjectives in my day-to-day life. But I, I, I hang around with people in my garden, people I work around, people that I'm with. And I hear these things and, and I, I want to eat that apple again. 
And I find myself getting mad, and those words are right there on my tongue again. Now, I'm not here to tell anyone that you're not supposed to talk like that, or you're supposed to do anything, because that's between you and God. I'm just telling you something that happened in my life, an experience that I personally have had, and I realized that person I see in the mirror, that's not who I want to be. And yet I have the opportunity to partake of the worldliness that is around me, and I can slide right back into it. I find this conviction of when I do those things and when I'm snippy with my wife or I'm snippy with those around me and I'm crabby or I'm rude or I, I, I want to say a bad word. Huh. That's not the person that I see in the mirror. That's not who I want to be. But you see, all of us are faced with that garden. We can eat all the good things. We can be around the people in our gardens and we can be the light. We can be the one who's pointing the right direction or we can slide right back down and be with them. See, the path for us to destroy our lives, the path that will lead us to let all of this just turn to rubbish is right before us. In Proverbs Chapter 14, verse 12, it says, There's a path before each person that seems right. And it's pointing right back to that other scripture we started off with, that there's a right way, I mean, there's a way that seems right to man. But God's the one who comes and judges it. And here he says, but it ends in death. Same connotation. It is not going up the hill on the incline. It is sliding down to Robbing you of your joy, trying to kill you, trying to destroy you. There's a path that we're all on. It's before each one of us. There is fruit in the gardens of every single one of us. And you can change gardens. You'll come over here and guess what? There's going to be people over here that they've got that fruit going, would you like some of this? It ends in death. Another place in Proverbs it says... God is the one who lights my path before me. See, there's two paths. One is easy, and it comes natural. Baby, you punch me, I want to punch you back. That, 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 I don't have to work up for that at all. That one comes super-duper easy. But the one where God says, hey, I want you to turn the other cheek. No, I really don't want to do that. I'd like to hit both of their cheeks maybe, but I don't want to turn my other cheek. He goes, no, I want to lead you over here. I don't want you to say that. I don't want you to be that way. So when I look at myself in the mirror, I go, is that who I want to be? Is that who you want to be? What habits are you exhibiting? Are they from eating the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or they from the tree of life that God says that I want you to live the abundant life life to the full Jesus said in John 10 see what's in the mirror another step forward what's on your mirror because sometimes we see things on the mirror, in the mirror, and we're like, that's not who I want to be. And I, I frown a lot, and I, I find myself make, 
seeming like I'm mad. So I'll put little sticky notes on my mirror to say, today's the day the Lord has made her. Maybe it's other ones. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or you're more than a conqueror. And there's plenty of things we can put up there. And they're not just to be religious. You could be religious in doing it. But they're not just to be religious. They're there to be, that's what I see. That's who I want to become. So if I see something in the mirror that I'm not happy with, I want to put something on my mirror that I see that. Go, wow, I see behind that sticky note. Hey, that's not who I'm going to be. So this is going to remind me what's on your mirror. See, because what you see, you will become. And what is natural to us, as we saw in the scripture, is easy, but it's going to cause us death. It's going to cause us to destroy our lives. One of the greatest examples of seeing yourself different than your circumstances I was in a video that I saw this week, and it's of the actor Jim Carrey. And it's a few minutes long, but I want to play it, and I want you to see this and to see the struggles that he went through and how he overcame those. So if you'll turn your attention. Not a lot of people know this about Jim Carrey, but... Before he became one of the most famous comedic actors of all time, he had a very rough start in life. In his early years at school, Jim was very quiet and had no friends. He discovered that he could make friends by making people laugh. The results weren't always positive, though. He would get into trouble for disrupting the class by his teachers numerous times. Despite the fact that he could make other people laugh, Jim had a learning disability called dyslexia. It made it very difficult for him to succeed in school. To work around this disability, he developed a phenomenal memory. Having money was another hurdle. His family lived in the rough part of town with lots of low-rent townhouses. By the 10th grade, he was working 8-hour night shifts at a factory with his family, along with going to school during the day. He was so exhausted from working that he couldn't focus on his schoolwork. He was also embarrassed about being poor and having no friends. With little learning and no relationships, he decided to drop out of school at the age of 16. His family decided that their surroundings were taking them in the wrong direction, so they packed up and moved with no job in sight. His parents and two siblings lived in a beat-up Volkswagen camper for eight months, parking in various campgrounds. Eventually, the Carey family got back on its feet, and they moved to Toronto. Through all of these hard times, Jim's father, Percy, always supported Jim's desire of wanting to be a comedian. Percy got him in at a comedy club in Toronto called Yuck Yucks. His first time on stage was an absolute disaster. Jim went home and kept practicing his celebrity impressions and started to perfect his act. In 1979, at the age of 17, Jim decided to move out to Hollywood. He started performing at the Comedy Store. Comic legend Rodney Dangerfield was so impressed by Jim that he made him an opening act for an entire year. Throughout the 80s, Jim performed at many clubs and had a few minor roles in movies. He was still struggling financially, though, and wasn't content with the way things were going. 
1990, Jim had landed a role on a news series on the Fox network called In Living Color. He was still struggling financially at that point, though. He decided to take a drive in his old Toyota up to Mulholland Drive one night, while sitting there looking at the city of L.A. below and dreaming of his future. He wrote himself a check for $10 million, dated at Thanksgiving 1995, and carried it in his wallet from that day forth. The rest, as they say, is history. By 1995, he had huge box office success from movies like Ace Ventura Pet Detective, The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber. At that point, he was making $20 million per picture. When his father, Percy, died in 1994, Jim placed that $10 million check that he wrote to himself four years earlier into his father's coffin as a tribute to the man who had both started and nurtured his dreams of being a star. It's amazing the terrible things that he had in his life that could have just destroyed him and just like, okay, this is over, forget it. I mean, his dad believing in him, getting him into a comedy club, and everyone around him thought he was funny and he thought he's great. He gets up there and he bombs. Can you imagine? And it'd be real easy to say, I'm not going to do that again. And yet he stayed, went home and focused all the more and went through more and more situation. I mean, writing yourself a check and believing in yourself. See, he saw something in the mirror. He saw something he wanted to see more than anybody else saw it. Now the whole world sees it. But he says something in a quote that I saw also as I was watching this. He says, if you give up on your dreams, what is left? If you give up on your dreams, what is left? So I want to suggest to you as we see who is in the mirror, as we see the opportunities that we have to change our lives, your destiny is optional. And I want you to think about that. Now, many of us have been in, in meetings and someone, a man of God has come up and he's prophesied over us. And he goes, man, this is what God's plans for you and you're going to do this and this and this and this. And those are true. But I've seen people that came and says, you know what? This was prophesied over me and it never came to pass. Does that mean the prophet was bad? God says, I know the plans that I have for you. They're written in my book. I've got a whole book that is your life. Before you were even born, before you were even conceived, these are the things that I planned for you. Remember the two greatest days in your life were the day you were born and the day you discover why you were born. But if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and your choices continue to cause death and destruction, will you ever reach that full life? Will you ever reach your destiny? Have you ever met somebody and go, man, you have so much potential. You could do such great things in your life. And they don't. Your destiny is optional. It is made up in the things you do every single day, in the mundane things, and saying, I think I'm right. I don't need anybody telling me what to do. I certainly don't need God telling me what to do. I'm all right. I've got this all down. 
We saw that God is the one that comes in. We talked about that in the beginning, but have you ever heard this saying that there's three sides to every story? There's his side, there's her side, and the truth. Can I suggest to you, the truth is God. God's sitting and going, man, you think you're right, and you think you're right, but I'm judging both of your hearts, and I can tell you where this needs to change. So for me, I find myself coming face to face with this mirror, going, God, I'm honest with myself. I don't like the way I talked to my wife just now. I don't like how mad I got at that car that just cut me off. I'm not really pleased with the inner Kevin that really wanted to help them off the road as we're driving. I'm not happy with some of the things that I see in my life. Brings me to the question, who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? If you bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Who do you want to be? When you look at that mirror and you reflect and you look deep down inside, not the you that everybody sees, but that person that God is judging the heart. Who do you want to be? It begins with allowing God a place in your life. See, God can judge your heart and say, you're not on the right path. You're not going the way I want you to go. You're not walking in the steps that I've got highlighted for you. You're doing the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But if you don't have a relationship with God, you're not going to be listening. So wherever you're at in this room, watching the online church, listening to the podcast, the first step to changing who you are and to who you want to be is accepting Christ. You don't have to have it all together He really doesn't expect you to have it all together. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to understand everything about God because you probably will never. But there's faith involved. You begin a personal relationship with God. It's between you and God. It's personal. It's one to one. I'm just here to help you with the words. So if today's your day, I encourage you to join in. Simply say this prayer. God in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place. To pay for my sins so I don't have to. I ask you for, to forgive me for trying to live my life on my own. Jesus, please forgive me. I surrender everything to you. 
be the Lord of my life, be number one. In the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you with all of my heart. Today, I give you my life. Father, I pray for all of us. Those who prayed that prayer for the first time or maybe another time. And those of us, Lord, who have heard this message and been challenged like I've been challenged to look at that person in the mirror and say, who do I want to be? And Lord, that I want you to give me my cues as to where to go. I don't want to trust in myself and think that I have got it all under control. Lord, I want to be the best version of me. And I know that's what you have for me. So I pray that all of us will take the notes that we wrote this morning. We'll take the words that came for us and we'll apply them. That as we live life on an incline, that we're not sliding down into negativity, but we're climbing towards the best life that you have for us. Lord, our destiny is optional. I choose to walk in what you call me to do. Father, I give you today, I give you this message, I give you all of your people, and I pray your blessing upon it. In Jesus' name I pray.